0: Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for September 19th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson.
1: I'm Cameron Walsh. Uh,
0: This week we will continue uh, on our series of best and worst moves. We've broken down every division except for the Pacific. We will take care of that. We will talk a little Montreal Canadiens. They've done a few things. or Some of their players have done some really great things. Uh, Devils, a few hours back, just signed Merrick Zidlicki to shore up their defense core. And we have some listener questions, and um, that's pretty much going to be a penguin section, given how many uh, Pittsburgh questions we got. So um, we'll be talking penguins today. So I uh, guess we will lead off on a great note. P.K. Subban is donating $10 million to Montreal's Children's Hospital. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, you um you hear that he's uh, quite a nice guy off the ice, and this just solidifies that. It's nice when people who have got a lot of money decide to do something philanthropic, so it's double thumbs up on that. It's just fantastic news and, and, and great for sick kids.
0: Yeah, I don't have much to add to it. I just wanted to mention it because that's really tremendous. Even though it's not quite a lump sum, I don't know how you could expect somebody to give a, a lump sum like that. Um, it's wonderful. And good for Montreal, PK, and the kids, like you said. And yeah. Kind of segueing away from him, but also involving him. Uh, I thought he was going to get the captaincy for the Montreal Canadiens. That was actually my choice. But they still had a, a very good choice to make. And it will be, I believe, their second consecutive American captain with Matt Pacioretty.
1: Um, I like, what I like about this is the players got to pick it.
0: Yeah. Yes, they do. I
1: think that's I think that's a really good concept. I mean, it, it's a complete uh, polar opposite to the way San Jose went about their captaincy debacle. So um, I I think that's great. You want someone the players are going to listen to and let the players make the pick.
0: So they're they're in good hands. They got a good leadership group. Um, you know. The Montreal, he's going to have to deal with another American captain. Sorry.
1: Just, <laughs> just out of curiosity, do you think Pacioretty has enough pull with management, well, more so with the coaching staff, that if he feels like Michel Therrien's killing him, he'll actually go to the coach and go, dude, this isn't going to work. Because Therrien's very much a my way or the highway kind of guy. Um, and usually the captain's supposed to be the, the voice between both groups, if you get what I mean, so it'll be interesting to see the dynamic.
0: Yeah, especially since now he's the captain, and he's underpaid by about $3 million per year. He only makes yeah. four and a half. He's like pushing 40 goals every year. He should be like a $7.5 yeah. million player, and he's going to be around for a while, so I don't think he's the kind of guy that would cause a tiff with the coach, but you know, I think Terry has a pretty abrasive style, and quite frankly, I think thing. that team would do better the sooner they get rid of him.
1: It's not about trying to cause a tiff. It's about getting there and being the voice of the players, the coach, and going, okay, dude, come on, you can't keep doing this this way, and, and whether it works or not. That's all. Um, you get there, and you, you wonder whether certain players are a voice, certain captains are a voice for the player, or whether the captain has to be a voice for the coach to the player. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out.
0: Yeah, but I stand. The sooner they fire him, the better. They can oh get, no, no, they I, can do better there.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I would wouldn't have let him come back, but it, it's sort of hard for management to justify firing him when everyone notes that they're outperforming their roster.
0: <laughs> Gee, I can't imagine how that happened.
1: Yeah, I know, but that's that's the reality, isn't it? Like that's just how it works.
0: This goalie we have is <laughs> stopping everything, no matter what. I think the
1: playoffs really showed how good Price was because I remember sort of with our playoff preview, I got there and said, I think the Canadians will will win. And you said they won't because if Price has a 2% drop off, they're toast. And that's exactly what happened. He dropped off, what, 2% from his regular season output and, and they lost. So... There are definite things that that, that man is, is covering up for Michelle Therrien, and if Price gets off to a, a, an above-average start as opposed to superhuman, Montreal could be in trouble.
0: Yeah, but I do like that they have Jeff Petrie around for the full haul now. Yeah. Should be That's interesting. True. Alex Simon, players like that, we'll, we'll see what they do. Will get Gelchenyuk be um, significantly better? Will he keep developing, or is he kind of in a rut?
1: In a coach's rut? Geez, that wouldn't be like anything that Michelle no, turned no, out. Not a
0: coach's rut, just in general, like
1: not. No, 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 I know.
0: But, yeah, so Suban, 10 million children's hospital. Uh, Max Petretti, uh, new captain. Congratulations to both. And. Um, I guess we'll move on to Zidlicki. Islanders, pretty good for them, I think. Sneaky good.
1: Yeah, look, he pushes possession, and as long as you're not asking him to do too much in his defensive zone and you put him in positions to do well, great signing. It'll really come down to how the coaching staff utilize him.
0: Yeah, and I think that you're not going to have to put him in a position to do too much because that's what... Letty and Boychucker for.
1: Correct. Totally agree. Um,
0: he's a high end top four defenseman on the possession front. That's, you know, that's probably high in the regards of what to expect for next season because eventually, you know, he's going to start to decline. I, I assume he's in his mid 30s.
1: He's 37.
0: Okay. So. I, I think he's still serviceable and especially at the cap hit they have him at. Um although I think it's a weird little deal where the uh the cap hits low but there's performance bonuses. Oh okay. But you know what? It's a real non issue for the Islanders who have eight million dollars in cap space, so um I think it's I think it's smart because their defence corps is not great outside of, well, harmonic Harmonic's not terrible, but anytime you can decline Brian Strait's minutes at this point in time, that's that's a good good <laughs> idea. No, but it's like um, no, no, you, you, he's still Rob but... Scuderi, but not from a cap standpoint, just from a production standpoint where it's a liability yeah. issue. And if you can reel back those minutes or, or not give him any at all because you picked up a new guy one that's proven to be pretty good, That that's that's a good move. Uh,
1: look, it's, it's one of those things, though, with Zidlici. Um, he was getting top-pairing minutes. So if they can shelter him back and have him in just being a second pairing or a, or a, a bottom pairing, then that roster, that forward roster for the Islanders is going to look fantastic because he will get the puck to them with speed more often than not. So he's actually um, a lot better at pushing the play than I expected, to be perfectly honest.
0: And he's a good power play guy. At least uh, Any time you, like yeah,
1: you can get a player like that, it's always a bonus. I
0: mean, he was on the Devils last year, and I don't go out of my way to watch them, so. <laughs> well, they're just not in a good spot, so they're not really that entertaining to watch. No, I know. Um, caught him a little bit with Detroit. Um, did the Islanders Was Brock Nelson the one they just re-signed?
1: Yeah Three, seven million or something That was an interesting negotiation The way that worked
0: Oh, with the deadline and everything? Yeah Yeah, they had a self-imposed uh, team deadline If you're not signed Then we're not, we're not signing you or something I think that's Pretty big bluff by the Islanders I don't think they would have fallen through with that
1: well, the the thing the thing with that though is that the deal that he's now on is much better for the Isles than the one that they offered him earlier.
0: Yep.
1: Because the length is so much shorter, I, I think that's the big thing for me. Is that instead of it being seven years, it's three years. So if he doesn't perform, they can walk away. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Nelson screwed himself in that sense.
0: Interesting decisions with Kyle Ocposo going into this year.
1: There's quite a few of those going around the league, though. It's not just the Islanders. There's quite a few teams that have got to make up their mind. If they can't get the player re-signed by Christmas or or January, they've got to work out in that month of Feb whether they're going to um, play out the contract and pray that they get him re-signed before he goes UFA or, or just let him walk. There's quite a few players that are in that situation this year.
0: That's a brutal spot for New York, too, because they'll they'll be a contender in the East. They were one of the better possession teams last year. Yep. Uh, goaltending should be okay with Halak and Grace. And, mm. you know, Okposo at 2.8, he's going to look for his payday because he hasn't gotten it yet.
1: You know? And he should.
0: And he's 27, so you're in that. Somebody's going to give him seven or eight years. Well, I should rephrase that. Another team will give him seven years. Only the Islanders can give him the eighth year. But do you really want to give eight years, six to mil, and six and a half mil for him?
1: And you know the production's going to go down as it slides along. So it's a tough call. He has every right to have a high price to demand. Whether or not he gets it, it's two different things, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's tough. And and one of their options, or potential options, to kind of, if they were to move him and slide up, uh, Josh Hosang got sent home from camp today for showing up late. They just flat-out cut him.
1: So what does that mean for Hosang in that sense?
0: He just goes back to junior, but I, I don't think that's exactly what he had in mind or the team. But no. he showed up late, and, and that was their... That was their decision to, to send him home. And, you know, it's tough to give the Islanders a, a hard time for that choice. If, if you're, no, I think if that's fine. If you're supposed fine. to be a gung-ho prospect who has criticized Team Canada for not giving him a chance, um, you know, you got to back Rock it up, up with I, your I, actions. You want a chance? Rock Here's your chance. I, Don't show up late.
1: That's just silly. Oh, well, maybe he'll learn and grow from there, but there's a little bit of a pattern of behavior happening here.
0: Really talented, but, um...
1: That's not the argument, though, is it?
0: (laughs) No, it's not, but I don't like seeing that. I like to see talented people succeed, so he'll, um, he'll have to learn from it, go back to juniors, work hard, do all that stuff, and then come back next year. Not be a tool. We'll see. I don't know, uh, i know what people write about him but you know it's gonna have to be a learning thing yep
1: i reckon it's i reckon the islanders have done the right thing there
0: to be honest either
1: either they're gonna have to trade him away because he doesn't fit the culture they're trying to make and someone will give them something for it um and they can move on from there or he uh, the switch flicks and he Projects out to be what their his ceiling is, so we'll see.
0: they were in a good spot to roll the dice on him, though. Yeah. So, um, well, I guess, I guess we'll start our Pacific Division best and worst moves. Quack quack. Yep. Um, Anaheim, alphabetically, go right off the gate. Um, <laughs> they had some positive moves. Uh, New acquisitions, and uh, they had a few negative ones that I see. Uh, I'll let you go with what you think.
1: Am I allowed to say the re-signing of Kessler's a a positive? Because, uh, I don't know, I I like the Kessler re-signing, I like the Carl Hagelin re-signing, I like the Jacob Silverberg re-signing. There are lots of things that that I liked in particular. I don't know what to think about the Kevin Bieksa. So I think they've still got Clayton Stoner on their freaking roster. I
0: think, so, I think he just got in trouble. I think he decapitated yeah, oh, a bear yeah. or
1: something. Yeah, I oh, know. I saw that. <laughs> Did that I read maybe, that correctly? That might, yeah, you have, yeah, that might save the Ducks from themselves.
0: I thought I heard someone at my... I had my first hockey game of the year last night. I thought someone in the locker room said he decapitated a bear. I didn't know if I heard that wrong. No, you,
1: you heard that right. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> okay, that. so there's that. Yeah. Um, But I suppose, I don't know, they're carrying three goalies. They're cheaper than a lot of goalies. Explain to me where you think they've gone wrong.
0: I think overall they've done some okay things for the now. I don't agree with you on Ryan Kessler. I think that's a real exorbitant amount for a really long time on a player whose decline has already started. Now, his decline right now. Um, still very serviceable, uh, definitely a top six center. But his style, we've seen these players, uh, like a Chris Drury, that when it happens, it it happens and it's done.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a cliff. No, no. This, this is the thing though. I quite I literally look at it in regards to the 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18 season. And then I actually think that Anaheim's window is going to close, mainly because Getzlaff and Perry will also be on that downhill slide. Jacob Silverberg, whilst he is good, is not going to fill Corey Perry's shoes in regards to being a number one right wing. And you have a look at that roster. They are built for now. I still think they need to go out and find themselves a legitimate number one uh, defenseman. But this team is built for the now. They're built for the next three years. And I, I'm okay with Kessler getting what he what he is. It's going to burn him the back end. I think we said that when he did the signing. But I I really like what they've done for the the next three years.
0: Yeah, I I guess I'm I can't get sold on Kessler. But I, my argument for Getzlaff and Perry falling off while while it will fall off of their elite rates, they're still going to be very good for a long time. Especially Getzlaff, because if we're being honest, skating is not his main no, never has to be. <laughs> so he's going to at least in my estimation he'll be able to continue being the force that he is for a long time because speed's not what's driving that
1: no it's just but that's the thing Kessler Perry and Getzlaff all play a very physical style of hockey and as you get older you're more susceptible to injuries and that's the issue that you've got with Kessler he's like you said he's already falling apart um, he's almost it's almost like he's being held together with freaking sticky tape and glue. Whereas Getzlaff and Perry, I think they're just gonna they're just gonna slow down a little bit more. And like you said before, if your brain and your hands are still there, you can get by without foot speed if you're an elite player and those two are certainly elite. So their drop off would be smaller than what you would see with some players, but I just think that well, like they've got nobody there that can jump up at the moment into that number one center spot and and fill the role when Kessler should probably be a 1A and a 1... Uh, Kessler, when gets should be a 1A, 1B sort of situation. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, my, I guess my issue, like, if you're going to... Kessler's ability to defend is already in decline, if you look at his D-Coursey metrics. Yeah. Um, The other issue I have there, he hasn't hit 50 points since 2010-11. You need 6.8 mil... I mean, you gotta get more than that.
1: No, I agree. No, no, you—you exactly. You might be selling me on this being a bad signing because it's the one argument that a lot of people have with Jordan Staal being a number two center
0: is at the price that he is. But he shuts has... people down legitimately. He's—he's—he's he's no, out, he's I... out playing a shutdown role. He is one of the best defensive centers in hockey. Whereas Kessler was, but now is—he's not. <laughs> So, either way,
1: I still stand by that. I like it for now, but like you said, for later, it's not great, and it never looked great when it was signed.
0: Um, if we want to count like them re-signing people, Silverberg's a good one. I, I, I like that. I agree with you on Hagelin. Uh They have the space. He's a speed demon. They need a winger. Uh, they got it. I think he'll fill in nicely in that uh, Bolesky role.
1: Yeah, I I I agree with that. And I, um,
0: and I think he's a better player than Bolesky, so.
1: And if that's the case, he can ride shotgun with those two guns up front and um ride the train.
0: Um I don't like Chris Stewart signing. I just not a fan. What about Hawkoff? Um better than Stewart? So it Stuart. Chris Stewart just doesn't do it for me. Bad yeah. relative possession compared to all the teams he's been on. He's always a low-end possession player relative to his teammates. So the argument that, oh, he's low possession because he's on a bad team, but but he's lower than
1: the, the average rest.
0: of the bad team. Um, yep. Certainly... Um, has a nice shot and and that and that's kind of what he rides is um sometimes he'll get on a goal streak, uh, but they're never really sustainable and and I would make an argument he's the kind of guy if he's not scoring goals he's really not doing much for you um other than the the antiquated um he's tough and he'll push people after the whistle kind of stuff <laughs> but that doesn't yep. translate to you know, stuff that you need.
1: Uh, what <laughs> what'd you think of would be exercising?
0: Yeah, I well they traded for him if I'm correct. Did they not? True.
1: Sorry. Didn't they have to extend him or was he already
0: They did extend well, him. Yeah. Well He can chip in offensively and he's very good at generating shots for he struggles a bit in suppression. So, find, Who do you find par- the right role with him to where maybe you're really doing your best job to get him away from the other team's better players and let him do his thing of generating and not worrying so much about preventing.
1: <sighs> their, their back end might be their Achilles heel, their ability to get the puck to their forwards with speed could be their, their issue through the neutral zone. Fowler's sort of good issue.
0: at it. So. pretty good at it. Dupre should be okay at it. Not going to hurt him.
1: So the, okay, so you've got three, so you could do the, what you would call the traditional stay at home, puck mover, stay at home, puck mover, stay at home, puck mover, but I don't like that as a, an idea. So it'll be really interesting to see how, um,
0: Lindholm's pretty good too.
1: Yeah, no, this is the thing. There's, there's a lot of guys there that are, are pretty good, but there's not what I'd call a horse in that lineup that you can, you know, not that every team has a bloody Duncan Keith or a Drew Doughty, but you get there and go, they've got no one there that can chew up 30 minutes and you're happy with them chewing up
0: 30 minutes. But, you know, extending the for 4 mil, I, I don't think they share that sheltered mentality.
1: No. I don't know. It's... I like watching. I'll go out of my way to watch Anaheim because of what they've got up front. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how it all flows together and, and, and how Bruce manages to work out he's his back in. For a man that was a defender when he played, sometimes his pairings can be a little interesting.
0: Well, they're in a good spot. I think LA's taken a few steps back. I think San Jose's taken a few steps back. So they're uh you know they'll have to fight off Edmonton and uh Calgary, I think in the future, but uh, for now, like you had mentioned, this three year window looks looks pretty good
1: so do you think they're just gonna keep put like shift Gibson back down to the a h l seeing as they've got Hudobin?
0: and Anderson
1: yeah, is this the thing like you've got like I thought they'd start with Anderson and Hudobin and just put Gibson back down in the AHL. They might. I don't
0: know what their plans are for him.
1: That's just, yeah, it's one of those things where I have a feeling they, they felt like he faltered a little bit last year under the spotlight, so they might throw him down again and and just get him to play a stack of hockey and then bring him up next year.
0: Hudobin was playing well um, the last couple of years. Up until last year, he did not have a good year. But... Who knows? Goalies. <laughs> sure. Yes, we know. So So Anaheim overall. Oh, you know what? Sorry, Mike Santorelli. I thought that was really good.
1: Yeah, you're holding on Santarelli in regards to the role he
0: can play. For value reasons. Yeah. I think yep, yep. Um, under a million, to get a guy like that that can play on your fourth line, I think that's great. Um, I think sometimes people misconstrue – me being high on a player is, like, I think they're, like, great, but it's more of a value, <laughs> value argument. Seeing as it's well, a cap league, you got to get you value.
1: Should, you shouldn't need to put an asterisk on that, but sometimes it's not bad to clarify that.
0: <laughs> but for a fourth-line center under a mill, really great. I, I like that yeah. a lot. So um, I guess that's, that's the last thing I need to add on Anaheim. Um, Arizona, I don't know how to... Well, I do know how I'm going to approach this. To me, it's pretty clear they want to be this year's version of the Sabers, even though they tried that last year. I think they want to be the the outright thirtieth team. Uh, Austin Matthews being the prize. Austin Matthews also a homegrown Arizona player.
1: I kind of hope it works out that way. Yep. That'd be great.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, so but, it's but, tough to like it's tough to say oh this is a good move, this is a bad move because they've signed some players that I don't really think are great, but I think it's a good move because of yes. what they're trying to do.
1: But I mean, the, the big thing for me though, that might throw a spanner in the works is that they've got there and they've grabbed the um, Stanley Cup experience of Chris Pronger and Antoine Vermette. That might throw a spanner in the works for Chris what they're trying to achieve. I, I
0: can't, Chris Pronger. I, 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 <laughs> I, I can't believe he's still being traded and works for the league office. I just,
1: no, I, it's ridiculous, isn't it?
0: I, uh, whatever that <laughs> I'm not anti Chris Pronger. I, I just think, no, that I don't, I just, I'm just aware ridiculous. of that. Yeah. Well, it is um, quite amusing. But you mentioned Vermont. We can consider that a, a, a new acquisition technically because he did go to Chicago. Uh, you know, that's an obvious, he liked his time there. He got his cup. He gets to go back, make a little bit of money. I I group him with um, uh, the kind of overrated third-line centers around the league that he's got a name and and the production doesn't really match up with it. And, you know, there are listeners right now that are like, oh, he scored a few goals in the cup run and he helped them win. And and that is true. Um, Players that are given opportunity eventually will will do some things. But there are still better options.
1: Isn't it even a broken clocks the right time twice a day?
0: Yes, I believe so. Um, yeah. But no harm, no foul with that signing. That's kind of a neutral whatever considering where they are. Uh, Steve Downey, um, I don't know. I mean, he's not a terrible player, but he's certainly uh, he's just a headache. And he's if, just going to wireless this. But if you're going to be a tanking kind of team, do you really want additional headaches?
1: Um, we might bring a couple of extra bums on seats in, in no, Arizona. people,
0: come on. You're going to pay 50 bucks? Because I assume that's kind of the average price in Arizona compared to other places, uh, maybe? I'd, look, I don't I, I ain't don't paying know. 50 bucks to watch freaking Steve Downey.
1: No, you're watching fights.
0: No. And they got John Scott too. Jesus.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. It's one of those things where you've got, you know, OER will be great to watch. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Domi and Duclair go. Um, they're the young guys that they're going to want to be good for when Austin Matthews does come through under the assumption that they get him. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what they get out of Mike Smith. I mean, he could quite literally be the thorn in their side. If he has a bounce-back year, they'll win games purely because of him. If he keeps playing the inconsistency that he is, they'll be fine trying to go for 30th. Because oh, you're not back. Gonna...
0: <laughs> they can always put him in.
1: You're not well. That's true because you're not going to be able to trade away Mike Smith like the revolving door that was in the Buffalo Sabres net last season.
0: So or, or like Devin Dubnik. They well, had yeah. Dubnik last year, and then they were like, uh, "This guy's playing a little too good for us." <laughs> well, you go to Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I know, Look, it's one of those things where th- this team, like you said, it, it's hard to say what's a good and a bad move if if you're a team looking to to, to win. Some of these moves you just you'd, you'd give it the, but they're not looking to win, so you've got to fill the roster up somehow. I still find it absolutely amazing that they're 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 like, the 13 mil away from the the top of the cap, and they're four mil away from the bottom of the cap. I, I thought they'd be um they'd be much closer to the cap if you get what I mean in regards to the floor because they're trying to save money.
0: Well, so, that Pronger stuff
1: basically did that, didn't it? Got him over the cap. Yeah, okay. <sighs>
0: um, yeah, there's not a real lot to say. Yeah, a good defenseman, I think.
1: Um, yeah, it's just he's, he's, another, he's
0: like Vermet. To... I'm I'm coming back home. I'm comfortable there. I'm gonna make three million. That's that sounds good to me. It's kind of thing. He's
1: gonna, he's gonna get to wear flip flops to the rink every day. So you know, it's it's kind of tough life living in in those uh, warmer. Warmer towns, playing sport, you're getting paid a lot of money for. Um, yeah, I feel sorry for Oel. I think he's going to go through the prime of his career, struggling there. He'll get to the UFA, and then he'll have to make up his mind whether there's enough talent there to hang around or not. So, we'll see. He
0: yeah, doesn't have that's a, no- a tough one, but you know what? He he can't catch a break because he he plays on Arizona, who who have stunk, and then the Olympics come around. A few years back, and as a freaking Sweden coach doesn't even play him.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. That that
0: so was puzzling.
1: It, look, you get you get there with Oel, and you go, look, he doesn't have a no trade clause. Um, there, there is a way to to move him at five point five. He's cheap for what he offers and what he provides. It's just a question of whether he can get get moved into uh, a team that, that would require him. I mean, Yandel got moved, so there's nothing to say Oel can't, but. They'd be crazy to move him.
0: Yeah, I I want them to move him for him. So why? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. If they tank, they get Austin Matthews with Domi Duclair. Um, I'm sure there's another few prospects. Oh, Dylan Strome. Jeez, duh. Oh, a terrible. So man. they 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 could turn a corner in the near future. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah.
1: All right, let's get away from, from the, um, the coyotes,
0: Calgary, and yeah. um, you know Brian Burke's not really known for his uh, love of analytics, but he he mentioned uh, he made a comment the other day that I thought was pretty good. Um, I think he understood that their possession was bad, and they got good results last year. Yeah, and he made a comparison to golf, like. We were making a ton of 40-foot putts last year, and this year we're not going to make as many 40-foot putts, but he said, I don't think we're going to have to make as many 40-foot putts. So I, I thought that was a good way of looking at it, because I do think they'll be improved. Um, I thought that, was, thought that was a pretty clever way of putting it.
1: That was, it's, yeah, it is a good way of putting it, which, out of the moves that they did, which one do you think is the most impressive, because they've done a couple of quite good ones, which is the one you think is well, the most
0: impressive? Are we counting Dougie Hamilton, because that's kind of the slam dunk.
1: Well, that was where I was headed, yeah.
0: Dougie Hamilton, obviously, a uh, superb acquisition, uh, getting Giordano locked up, although um, that's going to bring him later, much later into his career. Um, but you know it's a proper price it's under 7 mil he's 31 he's been when playing the best defenseman the last couple of years
1: uh, and look, he's he I suppose he got good late and you can make the argument that he hasn't had to play the hard minutes all the way through to you know his career to get to this point in his career so he might last a bit long, it's it's hard to say I mean he deserves the money he gets Will it could it bite them on the ass when you get towards the end of the contract, it might but you, you can't not sign him and you can't not sign him for the amount that he's on like you said, it's under 7 mil most other elite defensemen are uh, over 7 and, and pushing 8,
0: well, if P- not more PK set that market um, Yeah, future top guys are going to push that 9 million
1: yep which is what it will be in a cap world as the cap keeps going up. I mean, the other, the other great signing that, that, that they had is up front in regards to Frolick, really.
0: Yes. Um, came in under what I thought. Thought it would be a five-year, $25 million uh, contract. And it was five years at four point three each year. So 700000 cheaper a year than I thought he was going to go for on the open market. And uh, absolutely the kind of forward that they needed, um, help drive possession with a little bit of offensive flair.
1: You, you look at the way that team's constructed this season. He's the most expensive forward they've got. He almost sense, sets the benchmark for what they're going to have to do with guys like Colburn, Monahan, Goudreau, um, Bennett. In nah, regards, Colburn to...
0: has no leverage. He's he has he's never done anything.
1: No, no, he's an RFA, and I fully appreciate that. But like, he's got to get through his RFA stuff. So does Goudreau. So does Monahan. So does Bennett. There's nothing to say that Colburn can't push forward and he's be better. What I mean, no, no, but what I, what I mean is though that 4.3 for Frolik. If he falls below Frolic then Calgary have just got there and going. Well, Frolic's making this. You're not going to make more than that. And you get there with Goudreau and Monahan. Um, you would expect them to produce. Those guys are the Fro- raises. And and they obviously should, but Frolik can be that benchmark that Calgary can use in regards to what they want out of their top six forwards. Uh,
0: if I'm their agents, though, especially Goudreau, I'm not using Frolik as my benchmark. I'm I'm going to say I'm I'm Johnny Hockey and I'm pretty exciting. And I especially if he has a, a really good year this upcoming year.
1: And he can and market
0: Frolik's not going to be a, a ceiling for any of it. I don't think.
1: Hey, I didn't realize you were getting a PTO though. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I skated for the first time yesterday. It's amazing how I <laughs> pulled that off.
1: <laughs> I suppose, I suppose, one of the, the worst moves for this this season coming is the fact that they burn a year of Sam Bennett. I think for me last year. Yeah, um, that
0: was a hotly contested.
1: Cost, cost control is
0: important. Yeah, it wasn't worth that, especially coming off shoulder injury that year. Nah, that wasn't a good move at all. I I, I bet we discussed that in the past. I can't recall, but I'm sure we both Um, kind of gave pause to that decision. Um, That's
1: a pull-up by putting it.
0: uh, They do have um, a Kyle Loposo situation, sort of. Not quite to that extent, but Yuri Hudler had a career year last year, and if he were to get off to a hot start again, um, the Calgary Flames would be in a tough spot because... They would want to push in the West because they certainly have a, a roster to where if things fell the right way, they could certainly make the playoffs again. I think they are improved. I think they won't be the the dumpster fire possession team, high PDO thing that we saw last year. Uh, but Hudlers, that's tough. I mean, do you move them? Because you're not really a Stanley Cup threat like the Islanders could be. And do you really restock?
1: I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know what to do in that situation with Hoodler. I, I'm a fan of Hoodler. I've always liked him from back in his, his Detroit days. But you get there and go, he should, you, you kind of hope that he'd fall down to be the you know, second line slash third line center, looking at where they projected Colburn and Monaghan to go. You'd want Colburn to be your second line center and Monaghan to be your, your front line center. Not saying they're there yet, but that's where you'd want it to be. If that happens, then you could trade Hoodler because he was their number one center last year. So you want that to change.
0: Top line offense all the way. Yeah. Get even strength. Um, yep. Which is weird because I'm looking and his, um, his shot generation – is only a mid third line player, but his points—he makes the most of his opportunities. Uh, but defensively, um, high end second line. So, guy that makes the most of his opportunities, very sound defensively. Uh, very he's doesn't that just sound like a Red Wings player?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's one of those things where if I was if I was Calgary, I'd offer him I'd offer him probably five and a half at three years and and see if he bit. If not, you're gonna to have to start thinking about pushing him on because he's gonna start if he starts asking for six ish and above, then you, you you he's asking for sort of top line you know, first first line money and he's not quite giving you first line production everywhere. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, offensively he at even strength he's he's he is, but you're right. Um, well we'll see. We'll see. I I suppose it depends on how the team does. And uh, I know Brian Burke's not the GM, but, yeah, he kind (laughs) of (laughs) is. You know what I mean? Like, really, the decisions don't flow through him. uh, Yeah, exactly.
1: So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that that, that comes around. Um, It's it's really interesting because you remember how Colorado had the bad year last year after the year before, you know, riding the PDA train, they didn't make any changes for fourteen, fifteen, whereas Calgary have made changes for fifteen, sixteen from last year. So um, it will be interesting to see if their possession numbers go up and they continue to win, um, because it'll come down to what the two guys in net do. If the PDO is I like low, Hiller too. yeah, you've been you've been high on Hiller for a bit. So he's underrated. It, it, it's one of those things though where you get there with. If they do have poor PDO, but their possessions are up, you'll have fans going, well, what's the point of having good possession if you get no luck?
0: One's repeatable and one's flies all over the map. So.
1: I've, I've noticed, though, that it kind of holds for a season for a couple of teams every year. Every year there's a team that has a high PDO, and every year there's a team that has a low PDO. So you do not want to be that team on the low PDO side of things.
0: No obviously that's it's a tough one, and uh Minnesota I think was that for a bit last year.
1: well, they solved that problem, yep <sighs> should we go move on to the onto the interesting team in the division
0: yeah i think um I think these Edmonton Oilers may finally actually be turning a corner, and a big part of that was the uh Lady Luck and the uh, Connor McDavid uh, sweepstakes because unlike Buffalo, who was guaranteed to to really get a fantastic player, Edmonton had to win the lottery to get that impact player, and they did. And I was watching him the other night, and he had this just amazing back check where he looked. Uh, Connor McDavid was at mock speed getting back, and got all the way back and and poke checked a semi breakaway uh, away from that player and. Yes, the speed was insanely good, but just he he's in total control when he's doing all that. Yeah. And um, I was fortunate enough to... Um, I went to Pittsburgh for the analytics conference last year, and on the way back home from Pittsburgh that same day, I stopped in Erie to watch Connor McDavid, and boy, oh boy, I mean... He's tremendous. This the skating is just outrageous.
1: Uh, so is he and Sikara enough to get this team to the 8th spot in the in the conference?
0: Well, it's it, it's um it's not just that. They they invested in Cam Talbot as well.
1: True, but he now has to play 50 odd games.
0: Yep. And his small sample was excellent. So yep. we'll, we'll see if that's um, a sign of maybe him being okay. But like you said, uh, he's he's going to be certainly uh, tested coming up, and your guess is as good as mine on, on if he can keep that up.
1: Yeah, you, this team looks like it's a team in transition from old-school hockey to analytically thought-out Roster building, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you go, you know, you've got Matt Hendricks, Tyler Pitlick, you know, although I know Clint Hammer is actually okay, uh, possession wise, but, you know, he's an old school sort of player. Eric Greiber. I mean, they've got some good young guys coming through. Like, you've got Griffin Reinhardt, Oscar Kefblom. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Nikita... It's
0: Care like what is a big. huge get for them because. Yeah. Um... He will get the puck to those forwards um under control, whereas that just wasn't happening with the um outside of jeff Petrie before they uh foolishly traded him i th- i think they could have even resigned him probably and um they have um so sus- will fill that role um pretty good justin schultz um just not what people thought he was gonna be i think he's very uh underwhelming
1: if you shelter the hell out of him though and just have him run the power play can he not provide what they need
0: the problem being they need him to not be the sheltered guy
1: yeah no, it's it's the argument isn't it really
0: it's it's tough Griffin Reinhart you know that was an interesting trade at the draft Um, we'll see if that player can pan out cleft bomb see if he takes the next step but you know they got Nikita Nikitin for 4.5 mil and that's just like alright at least that's expiring at the end of the year Yeah. but they uh, um, they've got some really fun high 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 end players they've done a little bit better with their forward depth uh, in years past They've had the the Taylor Halls, Everly, Nugent, Hopkins, but like their other forward depth was just trash. And um, Benoit Pouliot's a great step in that direction last year. Teddy Purcell is certainly a serviceable uh, guy. Uh, Mark Letestu, good fourth line center there. Correct. Um Klinkhammer, you mentioned, good fourth line winger there. If he plays as a fourth,
1: that, and that—that's the thing. There have been times where Edmonton have signed certain players, and you go, "That's a good signing." If he plays here, and then he's—they've almost had to play upper spot. That they are starting to fill out now, where they're not. The players are always playing where they should be, so they should outperform. I think the big one for me would be Nail Yakupov. If he clicks with, if he clicks with Connor McDavid, then. Look out. Is he going to get that opportunity to play with Connor McDavid, though?
0: Yeah. No, that fair point. Um, the nice thing for Edmonton moving forward, though, whereas before it was kind of it, – it's tough for them to sign people, I, I think Connor McDavid changes that a lot. I mean – Yep. He's going to be the star player of the Western Conference for about 10 years plus. Maybe yep. you know, he's a so, rookie next year and it it's not going to happen right away, but in the next 2 or 3 years he's he's going to be sniffing 90 points and uh probably overtake Sid eventually.
1: Well, it, it didn't take Sid, Gino Ovechkin, Stanko's Taves, Kane all that long to, you know, Catapult from being a rookie to being a superstar. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how quickly that turns around. Hopefully, he doesn't go through the the injury troubles that Sid Sid went through, and he, he can have a clean slate all the way through his career.
0: I mean, Sid put up a hundred points his rookie year. Different era. Yeah, he he was fortunate that 05-06 season was how hockey uh, should be called, and it yeah. was nice that he had that opportunity. And uh, Connor McDavid. Now, it remains to be seen on what they call next year, but, um, you know, <laughs> it's it's not going to be 05-06. No. no. In fact, he got, lit, he got lit up in that preseason game the other day, too.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I, that went everywhere on Twitter.
0: Hey, you know what? So be it. It wasn't a dirty yeah. hit.
1: Actually, what we haven't, I suppose because we're doing best and worst more so than previous, but I've noticed that this,
0: this has turned into kind of a preview of the NHL. <laughs> it
1: has. It's well, We're so close to the so close season. But Leon Drossard, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with him anyway.
0: Yes. Uh, I think he scored the other night. So he's certainly got some good hands. We'll see if the skating can uh, translate. Um, I, I haven't seen too much of him to have strong opinions, but... Um, the highlights when I watched during his draft and that stuff, I, I liked what I saw. Um, but he's not the most interesting forward on this roster. Nel Yakupov, number one pick. Um, what are we going to see with him? He's This is kind of one of those years where um, stop effing around with his usage, put him in the top six, and let him see if he can rock and roll there.
1: Oh, I think the, the coach helps. I think having McClellan there is Gonna be fine. Yes. Oh, I,
0: good point. I totally forgot about that. Uh, yes, I, what a difference. I think that is a great yeah. move by them.
1: I, I, I think having a, a coach that likes to, to push the play thinks progressively. I mean, once again, where did he come from? Detroit. Um, where he started from. But so San
0: Jose was really good.
1: No, no, I know, but this is the thing, San Jose were really good for years. McClellan was there for quite some time. It it was a really good a really good timing to make that change. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see um, how the high, high, because they've got some really high-end talent on that roster, how they come together and and whether or not um, McClellan can bridge the gap between the – because don't forget, McClellan had some top-end defensive plays to get the puck up. He's only got one that you would consider consistent top-line minutes guy, and that's Sakera. So – you get there with that and you go, he might be a D-man, short, sure. So it'll be really interesting to see how he gets it all to work together so that those forwards can explode.
0: They'll be a fun team to watch. I oh, will. Whether they, that translates uh, to wins, I don't know. I think Calgary's in a better spot for wins next year in the Battle of Alberta. But it will be nice for that province to have
1: two teams, like, cause if if Edmonton don't get close to a playoff spot, I think they'll have to call it a failure of a year in regards to developing and presenting a winning culture at that club. They, they have to start winning at some stage, otherwise it's just going to go south. So this year they have to win. They have to at least get close to, you know, 41 wins, I think, for me personally.
0: I just don't know how with that decor...
1: Hmm. Ken Talbot might have to play out of his skin. He'll have to be he'll have to make sure that the PDA train rides a little high.
0: Yeah, I suppose you're right. Although what well, we haven't mentioned, uh, maybe Darnell nurse is ready.
1: Maybe. But once again, you it's like a few of these guy teams with young defensemen coming through. It's tough to rely on the young defensemen to give you solid play for 82 games. I hope he does. I would really like Edmonton to pick it up and to get it to work because they've been bad for so long. It'd just be nice to have them, you know, get in the mix. But, um, yeah, it's really tough to ask young defensemen to come in and and be great straight away. It, it doesn't happen to every player, and, and if it happens with Nurse, then that's like a thumbs-up away you go, Edmonton.
0: I will be watching them. I already a big fan of Connor McDavid, I'll seek their games out.
1: I I think yes. I think they should end up getting a lot of NBC games for the late game as well.
0: Well, from the Tundras of Alberta to beautiful Socal. Los Angeles. Boy, what a what a team off season. <laughs> they um they were the darlings for a little while, but I, I, I think they've fallen off. Still good, but not great.
1: Okay, so did it did it go wrong because someone showed loyalty and not? Yes, <laughs> it was pretty much the loyalty thing that screwed them over, wasn't it? Instead of taking that chance to get rid of a player off their roster legally, who is off their roster at the moment, who who knows whether he's back on their roster or not,
0: um. It's really screwed everything up. I mean, uh, yeah. Instead of paying this player on a buyout with no cap ramifications because of loyalty, now we're going to F him over um, and besmudge him publicly um, to get out of my terrible mistake. I mean, their handling of Mike Richards is just atrocious. I thought a lot of their handling of Slava Voinov's been atrocious. Uh, having him at the practice facility after all that and, like, yeah. Not, Lombardi hasn't had a great year.
1: No, but... So... the re, the uh, yeah, I just don't know what to think. I mean, Toffoli's re-signing was a great number.
0: Um, yeah, that was... He he hasn't had a great year in that. His lows have been really low, and his highs have been... Okay, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, so you get there, and you get that overall feel that it's being probably a little bit below the median, don't you? In regards to what you'd want out of him.
0: Well, it's fully good. I will argue Lucic good, because it's salary uh, retained. He's only... with them so i thought that was (laughs) yeah thought that was good for boston to get what they did but i also think i I understand it from la's perspective uh you know they're a team that can spend a first round pick they're not like pittsburgh where they just at least i don't view them as a team that's just been blowing first round picks left and right i think was gabrick a first round pick i don't know i don't don't think he was
1: I don't know, but he's under 5 mil, so...
0: <laughs> no, so that was last year, though, correct? Yeah, correct. I, I, Christian Erhoff, great. Yeah,
1: I was waiting for that one to, to come up. That that Erhoff signing... Game-changing it, for them. Well, hey, but he, the thing that's funny about that is he was linked to Columbus. I don't know how Columbus couldn't get that to work. That Columbus team with Erhoff in it would have been fantastic. This...
0: Can't be take take taking Jack puppy. Johnson's ice time, man.
1: <laughs> but but putting Erhoff it like he fills the Voinov hole. That that's the thing. Like they they've got a good solid top four again.
0: Voinov yeah. was overrated. If I'm going to be quite honest.
1: Right, you talking statistically speaking?
0: I am. I think losing him's not as big of a blow as some people think, and I do okay. not mean. The pun was not intended. Oh, sorry. I was just walking past that. Move no. along. <laughs> sorry, that that really wasn't intended. Um, no, he was. Um, eh, let's pull it up. His numbers were <laughs> underwhelming when I when I viewed it. Yeah, he's he's a low end top four guy. That um, offensively very good, but. Christian Ehrhoff better possession. He'll put up great offensive numbers at even strength, and um, he won't beat the crap out of his significant other. So that's pretty good.
1: Okay, so after not
0: wanting the pun, yeah, well, that was intentional that last one, but the other one <laughs> wasn't. Good, great. You're right, Erhoff.
1: I tell you what, I reckon Pittsburgh totally mismanaged his ice time last year, and his situational play. But it doesn't matter now.
0: Well, he was, concussed.
1: He was No, ignore the, ignore the concussion part. I, I just don't think they put him in situations to succeed. He just, because he's so good, he, he played extremely well. But look, he's going to be different at top four minutes, and LA are going to be much better
0: for it. Maybe we were a little harsh at first. Harsh in how they handled Richards and Voinov, but the roster I moves think... have been okay.
1: I think I think that's probably the the cloud that hangs over this team. I mean, the the big cloud that's going to hang over this team all season until it gets done is Isaac Kopitar. How long for? More so than how much?
0: Oh, you got to give him eight years and around ten.
1: Oh, you're not going. I can't argue with, with any of that. I mean, that takes him through to thirty-six. The timing of that couldn't he really be much better. As
0: much as Taves got. That's yep. just the reality of it. He's just as good as Taves, and people are gonna be oh, Jonathan Taves, whatever. Um, Taves is great. I. That's the problem when we when I get into these um, arguments, I guess, or disagreements. Um, you you almost have to like put down the other guy to k- kind of make your point. But, yeah, but you one, don't. That's this, the thing. I'm not really putting Taves down because he's <laughs> tremendous. Um, it's more like. Okay, yeah, he's great, obviously, but guess what? This guy is his equal, and um, I think that's absolutely the case. I think Kopitar is just as good defensively, and uh, offensively they're very similar. And Kopitar does not have the freak wingers that Taves has had. Give Kopitar a freaking Marion Hossa. You want to see some offense?
1: Yeah, it's a good point, actually.
0: Posa. Man, he's great. Look, just I'll shoehorn uh, him into the podcast anytime. Yeah.
1: So I suppose I suppose that's LA done. I mean, this was supposed to be a best and worst, but it has literally just turned into a preview. I think last week was a Yeah, we don't have preview.
0: time to do a preview, so uh, consider these best <laughs> and worst moves are uh, a preview. <laughs> Yeah, but the first division we
1: did was definitely a best and worst. The second division sort of was a little bit of a preview. Last week I thought it was definitely a preview. This is just I don't think we've even yeah. So look, LA, I don't know what what to think about LA.
0: Oh, Enroth, Roth, good backup.
1: Yeah, but I mean, Al, and this is the the other thing with him as a back. I don't think they should play quick as often as they have. Um, so having Enroth allows them to keep quick fresh for the play- either the playoff push or the playoffs themselves. Um, because, like, they missed the playoffs last year, but I don't think they really had to change too much to make their roster... They
0: were unlucky with that.
1: I... They lost a lot of games in OT and, and lost a lot of second points. So not having to go to um, the shootout will, will really help their cause. And they've got enough top-end talent that the um, three-on-three should suit them very nicely.
0: Dustin Brown's contract already killing them, though.
1: Yeah. It seems as though a lot of these teams that are competing for the Cup do have a contract it's that still is killing still seven
0: more years at 5.875. 5, I didn't realize it's, uh, mil. Jesus.
1: At some point when these contracts get signed, teams are going to have to work out that certain player types, and most of the time they are power forwards um, or extremely physical D-men, um, are not going to be able to play at a high enough level to warrant the cap hit past 33, I reckon. And he's going through to 37. Yeah. And and look, it will happen. I mean, you have a look at some of the guys that have only got PTOs or have just signed one-year deals and all those sorts of things. It, it's It feels as though the league has started to work that out. Not every team has, but it, it does feel as though those things are starting to change. So... The next three or four years are going to be very interesting contract-wise.
0: It's always tough for me to kind of criticize Dustin Brown because uh, we played against him in high school um, when he was at Ithaca uh, in New York, and uh, he had our number. So it's kind of, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, he was young too. We were older, senior team. He was eighth or ninth grade. You could tell he was um, he was all going going good places. But um, yeah. that aside, I mean, that contract sucks.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing, though. That's it, it, not his fault. If they're going to pay oh, him, oh eh?
0: yeah, good for him. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like you can get there, and we can we can criticise that the contracts and stuff. But it, it, quite literally, it's not the player's fault. If the player keep, if he keeps producing the way he he did last year, that contract looks worse and worse because it's so expensive. But that's not his fault. He's still giving the production. They've just paid him for that production. So, you know, that's not his fault. <laughs>
0: No, it's never the player's fault. That's management stuff. At least in my opinion.
1: No, I I I agree.
0: Um moving up north. San Dan, Jose.
1: Dan, Dan. <laughs> oh,
0: poor Joe Thornton. has dealt with so much. <laughs> I know. He's such a Hall of Fame player and um Still awesome, Marlowe still good. Couture, Couture good. Pavelski good. Pavelsky is older than people think, though. He's thirty something.
1: He's thirty one now, and I always think that he's like Liking Couture is twenty six, and and you, I think they're the same age, and they're not <laughs> by a long way. Like that's a five year gap. I mean, Pavelski and, and Couture are signed through until eighteen nineteen, so. You know they've got three high quality centers that they are not all playing at that position.
0: Couture is great. He's a Bills fan, so <laughs> he, gets, he gets points in my book.
1: <laughs> Actually, what did they do was beside, beside like in the? I know what they did in the back end, and we'll obviously get to Paul Martin because he's a favourite of ours. But what did they do up front? Joel Ward. That was basically it, wasn't it? Like. Really, when you, you think about it, they—this is the thing with that team last year—they weren't that far off. Like, they're okay. They're—I don't know. It's weird for me that team. Like, you've got players you love to watch, but <sighs> Anthony, Emi really blew that chance when they lost four in a row against LA, didn't
0: he? Oh, they lost last season. freaking year. Stanley Cup pick blew a freaking 3-0 <laughs> lead. Yeah, I lost, thought I was sitting pretty.
1: Well they lost Vlasic in that as well though. Like you can get there and you can hang it on on the Emmy and you probably can, but losing uh, an absolute top end elite defenseman quick against it extremely goat.
0: good. Hey, quick was the goat. He
1: yeah, was I a know. pig
0: at the beginning of that series.
1: Yeah. Look, I I think oh, you could conceivably see Anaheim. San Jose, L.A., Calgary, and people like to think Vancouver, but we won't. So you can see four teams in this division making it, and yet I can still see San Jose, Calgary, and L.A. all missing as well, because it's just...
0: Who's getting hurt?
1: Well, that's, that's sort of what it comes down to. I mean, you know, if... If Perry goes down for an extended period of time or if Getzlaff goes down or Kessler goes down for an extended period of time, um, Anaheim are are really, really going to struggle. If any of Anaheim's key back six go down, they're in trouble. It's the same here with San Jose. If Vlasic goes down again for an extended period of time, they're in trouble. I still think they should play Brett Burns up front instead of playing him down back, but that's a coaching decision that needs to be made. If Paul Martin runs into the injury troubles that he had in Pittsburgh, that's gonna hurt them. Um, oh, it, it's I just don't know where this team goes. The signing of Paul Martin's fantastic though.
0: Yes. Paul Martin's awesome. I don't think
1: um, much four else to years say that.
0: It's difficult because he gets hurt a lot now. Um, Yeah, he got hurt. I'm looking at something that says he is uh, 4.8 million, but I thought he was closer to 4 million.
1: I got it 4.85.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't sound right to me.
1: Look, that takes him through until he's 38.
0: He Um, is 4.8. Jeez. Okay.
1: Yeah. It takes you through till he's 38. So either that'll be it for Martin or he'll sign a one year deal somewhere cheap later on. But for now, you'd pair him up with Vlasic, I think, and run him as your number one, that number one pair. And Um, I say that.
0: Is Vlasic a lefty? Oh, he might be.
1: (sighs) Uh, I hate trying to remember that stuff.
0: Burns and Martin be fun.
1: It would be, but I still want Burns up front.
0: Yeah, I, I, you beat me through it. I mean, Brent Burns is way more of an impact player up front, um, which is the opposite of uh, someone Bufflin. like Dustin Bufflin, who is um, better at back.
1: I was shattered when they had the concussion hockey come out here and Burns played on the East Coast and then flew back for the NHL Awards in Las Vegas instead of coming to Perth. I was so looking forward to watching that Bush Ranger play. <laughs> and um yeah he buggered off back to the States. Damn it. So yeah look that that would be what, what I would do. He probably do.
0: picked up some animals in Australia to add to his collection. Well oh, there's
1: a very good chance. Um yeah so look that yeah, the San Jose team's interesting. Look Martin Jones is their starter now. Stallock's a, a, a fine backup um it's Jones' turn to prove that he can be a a number one as opposed to being a backup. So I'll be very interested to see how that goes. It's new coach. Pete DeBoer generally does well in his first year. Um, It'll be interesting to see whether he tries to play the same style of hockey that he did in New Jersey or whether he's got a different wrinkle to what he'll offer and provide.
0: Losing McClellan's going to hurt.
1: Yeah, he... yeah.
0: I think 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 the GM needed to go before the coach in this situation.
1: It's exactly what I was about to say. Someone who's a bit more of a forward thinker.
0: Okay. Well, Charts, not too much movement. um, But still Joe Thornton, still Marlowe, Couture, the Bills fan, Uh, Pavelski. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Look, look, they've got. Thomas Hurdle, can can you get back to what he was doing before he got injured? Um,
0: Oh, yeah, Hurdle.
1: You know what I mean? So there's there's opportunities there for this team to to definitely rebound and and, and maybe not be the dominant force they were two or three years ago, but certainly be a playoff team. So once again, the West has got teams that are high-quality teams in it, and they will beat each other up Um, and will make a, a team that you would consider Playoff bound, fall short. I, I think that's the reality of of, of, the, of the conference. Maybe not so much that this particular division, but the the conference in the West at the moment is is just hell.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of teams packed together and a lot of different variables there. Hmm. Well, last and least. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Vancouver. I, I don't think highly of them anymore. Uh, they had a great run when uh, they were making the, you know, when they lost to Boston in the final, and yeah. Sadines were going great, Luongo, all that stuff. But they're they're a train wreck. Uh,
1: you just, you look down their lineup, and well, I don't think I can sort of find another word. I think you're right. I mean, it is train wreck. They really really are.
0: Like, well, it's just that sad, they have some opportunity. To where they can flip Vervada for, for some futures, and um, Dan Ham use for futures. So I don't see them as competitive as far as playoffs are concerned.
1: Are they going to do? Are they going to do? Are they going to end up being a little bit like Toronto used to be, where they're going to end up just outside the playoffs? Yes. Because they're going to to think that they can push, um, because they're going to get to that trade deadline and they're going to be in that middle range and they're going to go, no, let's go for it. And they're going to fall short and they're going to have given up. Instead of acquiring picks, they're going to have given up picks and fall short. That's sort of how it feels like to me with this this roster at the moment.
0: They've been trending that way for a while, though.
1: Yeah, but it helps when you've got the freaking Sedine twins to carry the load, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, this team hasn't fallen off a cliff because of those two players.
0: Yeah, they've almost hurt them.
1: Well, they probably have, in in a sense. I mean, uh, you might disagree, but I think they're Hall of Fame players, the two of them. No,
0: they are. No way. No disagreement. They are.
1: Yeah, and and the fact that they are that good, they've been able to put a team on their back and and, and carry it further than it probably should have got. Um, So, yeah, I just... You know, I don't know about their second-line center signing, but I think we all know that. I thought I'd start you off. Go for it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Brandon Sutter's not really good, and they're going to pay him like he's good for a while, and that's not going to end well. And I don't really have much more to add to that. It was great for Pittsburgh that, you know, Jim Benning wanted to um, help them out. and. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when your main off-season acquisition is trading away um, Nick Benino a better center for a lesser center, and then giving that new center a raise, and then uh, this is on the tail end of signing Derek Dorsett to a... Jesus, four, four years? He makes 2.6 mil? That's the ex- Oh, my God. Okay. Um, that's ridiculous. Trading Cassian for... Brandon Price, whatever this,
1: this, this honestly feels like Holmgren putting together the Flyers for a few years. Do you know what I mean? Like after after Clark left Philly, they still wanted to have that, you know, the Philadelphia beat them up sort of
0: Man, team. This this has fallen.
1: It it just – it's a it's a real mishmash of, like, a couple of quality players and everyone else is grit and grinded out sort of thing. That's how it feels to me. I mean, I could, I could be wrong, but it just – it doesn't feel like there's a direction in regards to what style of hockey they think they should be playing to be good.
0: But they think Brandon Sutter's a grit grinded out. Boy, are they in for a rude awakening.
1: Yeah, well, he, he definitely can't win a puck battle. But, but you get what I mean?
0: Like, oh, no, it, yeah, it just... I'm, I'm with you 100%. And yeah. has there been a – a franchise that has handled their goalie position worse than the Canucks?
1: Um, maybe Philly, but that'd be it. And they seem to have sorted out the way they treat that position. So, um, yeah. The, they had the Wongo
0: <laughs> and Schneider. And not,
1: yeah, I know. And just, I know, it's one of those things where I, I find it absolutely baffling. It almost felt like the fans ran them both out of town in the end and the management let them do that. Rather than keep one, they got, ended up losing both. I, I mean, when they got rid of Schneider, really, they should have got rid of Luongo because Luongo was the one that was just, you could tell he wasn't enjoying playing hockey in that town anymore. And I know Luongo had control over what he was doing, but in the end they lost them both. And they're now stuck with a very, very old Ryan Miller at 6 mil and Jacob Markstrom, who no one really knows whether he's going to pan out or not yet.
0: I mean, Brian Miller, you know, he has he started his professional career here in Rochester during the the lockout year. Mm-hmm. I went to a ton of Amerk games and that was pretty great because it was uh, Miller, Vanek, Pominville, Roy, uh, that, a lot of those Sabre uh, players that made some of those playoff runs and Miller's great, or, or was great I should say, uh, he's kind of hit that peak and he's he's not where he was um, I wish him the best because he um, I tend to like I, I liked when he was in Buffalo but Corey Schneider's it, the top 5 goalie and they just said oh you know, we'll give him Miller's away.
1: fault. It's not Miller's fault that he's making 6 mil. Once again, he's trying his ass off on the ice and he's giving you whatever he possibly can. They should never have given him six mil. That's just the, the reality of the, the situation there. You, if you've got Ryan Miller at three mil, um, then you can do something else to the roster. That You've put 7.55 in the goalie position with him and Markstrom. So it screws up your wiggle room elsewhere on the roster. And as you can tell, we both think that there are some substantial holes in some places on this roster
0: so i I'll, I'll i'll say one thing chris Christopher tanev underrated defenseman it was really good for them to um sign him extend him at four point four five mil um Rochester Institute of technology graduate or former player don't know if he graduated but he was on the frozen four team i I actually uh, went to quite a few games and and saw him in college and kind of cool to to see him progress up through the ranks. Uh, see, I can't but, do
1: that. I can't watch any of these guys progress up through the ranks.
0: But he, um, he's a good player. That was um, a good move for them. So I know we've been piling on, but but that's a good move.
1: I, I look. I, I hope that improves, pushes up, pushes Brandon Sutter down to a third line parry, uh, third line center. So, but he
0: sucks even know. there.
1: I, I wasn't suggesting that he's any better in a third line, it just means that all that's gone up where they sort of projected him to be. That's all. I'm not trying trying to convince you on Saturday. I think we know where we both stand on that man.
0: (laughs) I got evidence.
1: I know you've got evidence.
0: Um, So, I think they're in the worst situation of all the Pacific teams. um, If you look at short, long-term combined... Arizona's going to finish below Vancouver, but they're, they're kind of almost purposely doing that, whereas I think Vancouver actually thinks like they're going to make a run here.
1: You know what? I'd almost say that Vancouver and Colorado are in the worst spot of the whole Western Conference. Arizona want to be bad deliberately, um, you and I can both see a situation where LA and San Jose improve up um, we can see that we both think that I can't believe how much we're trashing a team that got 101 points last year do you get what I mean? No, like, yeah, you, I, I'm quite, I get it we look at that Vancouver roster and we're just like meh so I don't know you and I could be way off on this You get there and go, St. Louis should make it, Nashville should make it, Chicago should make it, Minnesota should make it. I think Dallas will make it. I don't think Winnipeg will. So then you're down
0: to three in the Pacific.
1: Correct. And you get there and you could go, it could literally be all of the the LA teams, um, which would then mean Calgary, Edmonton miss out. That Western Conference sucked. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It just sucks. You get there and go, it'd be advantageous for Chicago to be in the East like they are in the NBA. Be advantageous for everybody in the West.
0: Yeah, right.
1: So I suppose we're done with our best and worst slash preview.
0: (laughs) The Pacific Division preview (laughs) is over. It is.
1: Now, we actually got some questions.
0: Yeah, all Pittsburgh, though. Well, we're going to have to saw it. Um, Drew Dunn, 67. Would you keep both Matt Murray and Tristan Jarry, or trade one? If so, who and for what? Um, problem with goalie prospects is the same problem with goalies with a track record. Um, their value is just tough to peg. Um. I personally would not trade Matt Murray right now. I think he's on track to become an NHL goaltender. I think that would be wise to keep him around, give flexibility behind Marc-Andre Fleury. Tristan Jari was originally thought to be the guy that's doing kind of the things that Matt Murray is. Um, I think he's disposable at this point. But you kind of hope he starts playing a little bit better so the value goes up. But right now I think there's minimal value. Uh, Right this moment, I would keep both.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would too. I mean, Fleury's got, what, four years left on his extension? so yeah, his
0: extension I, just started.
1: Yeah, so they're in no rush to, to get rid of either, I suppose. And, and throwing in a gully prospect isn't really a sweetener, I would suggest, to try and improve a trade. So you might as well keep them both. They might, like you said, with Jerry, he was expected to be the better of the two, and and, and Murray, I don't think Jerry's gone backwards in his um, development. I just think Murray's moved through a little bit quicker. So keep them both. I mean, you, you've got to start making a decision on those two probably in two years' time because you'll want one of the two of them to start backing up Fleury anyway. So you'll have a look at it that way, have a look at it in a couple of years' time, and, and, and then you can start, because you'll have a better idea of where both of them are at by then. So I, I wouldn't, I'd keep them both in, in the AHL and and just play them a lot.
0: Yep. Um, we have Cassie, and that's at underscore MAF29. If a top six winger is hurt, would you let Dupuis fill the void for the time being or recall Sherry? and test him out, I, th- I think um, for me, um, Dupuis, clearly, he's got a track record of um, doing well in that role. I know some people don't view him as a bona fide top six guy, but the, of course playing with Sidney Crosby, you're going to have good numbers over extended periods of time, but I actually looked into his numbers prior to even Pittsburgh, and, and he was he was an okay player then. I, th- I think it's obviously Dupuis even coming off the blood clot. Uh, Connor Sheary is going to be uh, a fourth-line, hopefully skilled winger kind of deal.
1: It's, I think I made this point last week. I If you're going to bring someone like Connor Sheary up, you need to put him in the role he was playing down in the AHL. So if Pittsburgh are going to roll out for Lions that are attempting to score rather than have them be a tie fire, then it won't really matter where you put Sheary in the lineup. But if you're going to get there and ask a guy that's been asked to score in the AHL, throw him up on the fourth line and have him have to check and grind it out, all that sort of garbage, then he's just going to fail. You've just set him up to fail. So I don't think you'd have a need to put Sheary in the top six, looking at the way Johnson likes hockey to be played, looking at the way... Um, Rutherford's actually constructed the roster it looks like they're going to try and play with four scoring lines so just throw Sheary in and and have the players slide up the lineup Uh, that's how I would do it I mean, Pittsburgh have actually finally got four set positions in that top six, you could say five if you include Kunitz in that in regards to the way it starts so you've got players to rotate through through there, Sheary could get some could get some reps and do well who that's
0: knows not in the top six but he might get some reps um the the nice thing about Depuy is i i believe he can play both wings so that creates <laughs> some nice. flexibility yeah. Yeah. yeah uh but yeah i would um i'd go with Depuy. Can castle score
1: 40. that's a question from escape pod 87.
0: Kessel I don't know. I, uh, I think you can probably reference one of the thousand blogs, including some of mine that have referenced that. Um, I have him coming up slightly, slightly, slightly short of that, 38-39 goals. And I, I broke it down. He, he's going to have to hit career highs and power play goals, which may happen. Um But even at his higher goals per 60 rates at even strength, 40 is a lot of goals these days. And um, even with Sid or Gino, that's going to be tough. Um, Certainly within the realm of possibility. Uh, But the nice thing for Phil, um, he's on the ice a lot. He, He hasn't missed much time, so... I I would not argue with people that strongly feel he'll go over, even though I um, I have him finishing in that 38 goal range.
1: I'm I'm not particular. My big thing is how many more goals will Crosby score. To be perfectly honest, because everything that I've read and from what I've watched with with Kessel is that he's a really good playmaker. Um, I would be happy if Kessel scored 35 and Crosby scored. 35, 40 goals Crosby can score he just overpasses at times and I, I think someone with Kessel's ability to get the puck back to him quickly if those two end up totaling out you know 70 or 75 goals I I think Kessel's done what I would expect him to do I, I'm more about the overall production also than the individual mm-hmm
0: um, puck, Mike at 13, Mike 31, top three critical factors for the Pittsburgh Penguins to contend for a cup this season. Um, I think number one, the, the concern is the defense depth. Mm-hmm. Do we have bona fide top four defensemen with Christian Ehrhoff and Paul Martin moving on? Do we
1: have last year's defensive call with this year's forward call?
0: Uh not cap wise, no,
1: not a to anymore yeah. that sucks
0: I know um bona fide top pairing guy, I know a lot of people are very high on ali Mata. I'm not yet I, so... I, I think he's a top four guy i'm not I can't say he's a top pairing guy yet he he could certainly track to that um but they could use that as the top pairing and do just fine um becomes a little bit more difficult um, leaning on someone like Derek Pouliot to take um, top four minutes especially you know um, he's been kind of been playing in these rookie events and prospect stuff and you would think if a guy didn't have anything to prove why would he be there kind of thing
1: and I don't know what they're expecting out of him because I've watched I watched one of those rookie games and he just looked like he was going through the motions, you know. He knew he could dance people and he tried to dance them quite a few times and made errors because he was trying to dance through four guys at once. So, look, Pouliot could be the saving grace of that, that back six, really. I mean, if he jumps to where all the fans want him to be, and he is ends up being a, a top four defenseman in theory, being the number three, then the depth of that roster fills out really, really well because he, I could see he and Ian Cole being comfortably a number two pair.
0: Ian Cole underrated. I did some research on him. Uh, he's got some really nice underlying, uh, driving the play numbers and he, he matches up favorably to some of the NHL's, uh, best players mm. on the defense front not saying that he's their um, equal but uh, Andrew Berkshire did some nice uh, research and I believe it's I believe the stats they're using are proprietary so I didn't have the raw numbers I just just what he had put out uh, and they're called possession driving events and Ian Cole was above average on the blues for that. And then when he went to the Penguins, he, he was above average even on that team. And he's in company with um, guys like Eric Carlson, Alex Pietrangelo, P.K. Subban, uh, and Drew Doughty. And the it's other, a pretty crap company. Yeah, and the other two guys are Nick Letty and Morgan Riley, who have smaller sample sizes. Uh, but Nick Letty, uh, when he went to the Islanders, uh did nothing to disprove those, those numbers. Morgan Riley, the interesting one. We'll see what happens there. But uh, for Ian Cole to be kind of um, successful possession driving plays per 20 is the stat. Um, that screams, I'm a top four guy. So um, we'll see if his limited ice time is the reason for the higher numbers. If he's played well in the small sample. Uh, he'll get more ice time this year, and if he maintains that, there's no question that's top top four material.
1: I I don't know what to expect out of Ian Cole. It's like I don't know what to expect out of Ben Lovejoy. If he can stay as a bottom a bottom three pairing, then perfect. I think if he can stay there and, and play with Dumoulin, meaning that Scuderi's is not in the lineup. That's the, the big one for the Penguins. They need all of their players to be able to handle the puck like it's not a grenade, and all of the names that we've mentioned are capable of doing that. They're all not scared to have the puck on their stick. They're all capable of skating out of trouble, um, and they all make a reason. All of them, I think, except for Lovejoy, make a, a really good first pass. Lovejoy's okay at that that first exit pass, so... With Lovejoy not being expected to, to play the minutes he had to play in the playoffs, he he should be better suited to the role he's given and not look as terrible as he, he did in the playoffs. So, like you said, rolling myself back around to the question, defense is the first one for me.
0: And rumor um, has it they're keeping eight, so Gonshire's in play here.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, he should just be... if it. Yeah, that's a topic for another day I think but I think Fleury repeating what he's done the last two seasons if he does it for a third you can say that he's gotten over whatever yips he had Um, and then for me it's just a healthy roster for me, healthy roster. If they keep a healthy roster, then I think this team even if they don't That might touch, be number
0: one, really. If, well
1: if they don't this is the thing, if that roster stays healthy and they go into the playoffs healthy, so not carrying injuries and still playing with them, but if they go into the playoffs healthy for the first time since maybe ever since Sid's been around, um then I reckon they even with that back six not even changing, I still reckon they're a really good chance of winning.
0: Yeah, the health stuff, it's got to eventually turn because they're not normal injuries. Mumps, no, and that's cancer, it. freaking... Concussions, neck... shots to the jaw. You
1: you look at the fact that Mike Cater left the franchise, he didn't have any soft tissue. He had eight, I think, the entire time. His eight games players lost due to soft tissue injuries. So... It wasn't their conditioning that was the problem with those injuries. Like you said, they're outside of hockey injuries except for, say, the broken jaw from the puck. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that stuff has to change. It's not like there's systematic issues with, with what they were doing off the ice. That's got to change at some stage, surely.
0: So is that three, defense, you said flurry, and then the the health stuff?
1: Uh, the health, yeah.
0: Okay. No, I don't disagree at all. Um, At Greg Garland, 80, who do you see as the four left wingers? Seems like Perron, Kunitz, Dupuyin, Plotnikov on that side. But is one of them a fourth liner? Yep. And uh, that's not a problem. That's good depth. And for me, Perron and Kunitz are the top six guys unless somebody bucks them off and Dupuis being third-line, Plotnikov would be my fourth-line guy, but, you know, that could all change. See, he's the wild card. Yeah. I've indirectly watched him play hockey, but, you know, I'm watching the World Championships. I'm watching Malkin for Russia. Uh, that guy was on the team, but I wasn't, like, totally yeah. like taking in and assessing him. So that's a really good problem. I think Kunitz will bounce back. Possession numbers were great. I don't expect his uh, shooting percentage to stay where it did. And if uh, the iron deficiency stuff was true, I, I think a full off season, knowing that and preparing for the 2015-16 uh, season, I, I think Kunitz will bounce back too.
1: If, if you end up on the third and the fourth line on this team, the way it looks like it's constructed for this season and the way they're saying they want to play the game, fourth line will probably get anywhere between Ten. Not, Ten nine days. to 12 minutes a game. Yeah, which you can still do stuff in that time. And they because won't No, out. No, don't, that's the thing. They're not trying to keep the puck from their own, own end. So the, the bonus of that means that the, the top six guys – don't have to grind their way through everything. They should be fresher. They should be able to have more explosiveness. So that depth helps on so many levels. So it'll be interesting to see how many minutes those guys play. And if they do start to produce, whether they just get more minutes as a collective line or whether they do get slotted up and down the lineup so that Sid and Geno still do get their 22 to 24 minutes a game, this is a nice change. Yeah, the, the and, and, have.
0: and on the flip side, if, you know, he mentioned left-wingers, right-wingers, Kessel, Hornquist, uh, uh, I would put fair on yep. third-line right-wing. I know some people, he wanted to be the center, but I think he'd rather have third-line uh, right-wing minutes than fourth-line center minutes. And then Bo Bennett is a fourth-line center, I mean, come mm-hmm. on.
1: And, and once again, that's a fourth-line center, not in how the Penguins had their fourth-line constructed last year. It's,
0: or the third-line.
1: No, yeah, but you, you, that's the thing, though. Like, you go, oh, jeez, he's gone all the way to the lineup. From, from everything that I've read in regards to how he's come out for camp, he's in great nick. He's got his wrists back. He can actually shoot the puck now. Um, it, it sounds as though Bennett's finally got that chance to, to prove that he's Worth his next contract because he's only got a one year. He's only got one year left, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, whoops, I clicked on something not right.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: don't know what happened there. Um, <laughs> let me find. I was trying to find our next question, and uh, I don't know what I did. Twitter, funny thing. Oh, I got one. Last one, I believe. At Mike Fail, and and Mike's a a great Calgary writer for, uh, I believe, the matchstick at SB Nation. Um, Which is better, NHL 94 or 95? 94. Oh, wow, that was pretty quick. Um, Let me just say, um, while she had to do something, we we planned on the podcast starting uh, sooner this evening, and he had uh, an errand to run. And I took that time, after getting this question from Mike, and I did some pre-show research. <laughs> research. <laughs> and uh, I downloaded the Super Nintendo emulator onto my uh, computer, and I played a, a game of NHL 94 and 95, and you're wrong. You are wrong, Walshy. <laughs> no, I'm 95
1: not. 95 is better. Megatron. No
0: way. It's not it's even close. Tra- no. 94 is known hmm. as the best hockey game of all time, but the movements are so boxy, and 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 the the game's good. I mean, this is like how we discussed before, how like you know <laughs> the Jonathan Taves thing, but ninety <laughs> five, the skating is a, a million times better. You can you can it it's more fluid. It's more like hockey. The the gameplay is twenty times better. But, but it's still the same simplistic uh, controls. The thing I will grant you for NHL 94 is the audio I like a lot better on 94, whereas 95, it's I don't know what they did, but it's, it's not as, as, as good. But uh, well, I, this... I, I couldn't make moves with Mario Lemieux in 94. Now, mind you, I was using a desktop keyboard, so I got the arrows and I'm using the Z and the X button. So I don't. I did not have a, hey, a game controller. He's... So, but that didn't change what I thought. I mean, I dangled with Peter Taglianetti in '95. So I was Pittsburgh both times. And let me tell you, the New York Islanders are a dirty group in '94. They kept taking runs at Mario. I did not like that. What do you expect? Yeah. Well you know kevin stevens put him in their place i knocked benoit hogue on his ass out for the game <laughs> that was a great um, hit he wasn't even this, the puck carrier i just knocked him out <laughs> <laughs> the, the
1: thing that um the the thing for me was that i never played either of those games on the nintendo i always played them on on the sega okay. um
0: and, same, and that same was difference uh, really though
1: they do have they do have fundamental different. They always do have fundamental differences in regards to the way they work, and it's it's really weird. Like, um, I always found ninety. I, maybe I've got a sense of mentality to to ninety four because, like, I started really getting into hockey in, in ninety three, and you know the the games is always sort of rostered, you know, for the season previous and stuff like that. So. I think I had on the Mega Drive 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, all for the Mega Drive at one stage. I actually had them all at home. So obviously I was a teenager with not a lot to do. But, um, yeah, I still I still sit with 94.
0: 94's player rankings are bumped yes. too. Mario was at 100, so that's fine. Jager was in the 80s, the low 80s, might I add. Yeah, that didn't Francis make any sense. Like, it was like a 78. Um, th- like, it was weird. But 95, a uh, 100, Francis is a 90, Jager's 100. Like It made more sense to me. I actually benched Stevens in 95 and put Ronnie Franchise on the left wing. <laughs> we beat the players so up it, good.
1: I, I take it you never played it with line changes on? Oh God, no! Oh, I used to love playing the modern they, games. I do. The thing that the thing that was great about that. Like Why do I say, want to
0: put out some freaking bum ranked as sixty in the game? Because I want Nintendo to see if I can
1: actually score five or six goals. With I them. just told That's you funny.
0: I dangled with Peter Taglianetti because some asshole uh, uh, knocked uh, out off Samuelson, <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> which I was fine with, but. <sighs> Yeah, that happened. So, Peter Taglianetti got in the game, and he scored on a breakaway. So, that was an NHL 95. (laughs) Oh, good grief. So, for me, Um, NHL 95 was a better gameplay, less sound, uh, but it had the better player rankings. And, um, yeah. So, that's where I stand
1: on that. Speaking of sound, I really wish, and it will never happen in the modern era – I really wish Hockey Rinks would go back to organ music and actually, instead of blasting out LA modern does. rock, unless, and stop blasting out modern rock tunes and just let the crowd garner their own atmosphere. It's one of the things that, that I notice from those old games is you don't get the... Like, you play the new games now and, and all you get is the music blaring all the time in between the whistles. Now you, you get there and go, could we just have some crowd noise?
0: Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. I, I I think LA does a nice job with the Oregon. Brilliant. I wonder if Chicago still does.
1: I, I think they might. But it would just be it would be a nice transition to go to that. Maybe that's just me showing my age now, but that would be my preference.
0: No, no disagreement there. That that's something that um I've always enjoyed going to live hockey. Buffalo does Oregon. I know that. So.
1: Right, you know we're in trouble if we're talking about organ music uh, at a venue. Um, no, we can, are we, done-
0: we can do video games. I mean, I got to tell you, after the NHL 94-95, uh, I started uh, Super Mario Kart. And um, Luigi's BS, his little star power, I lost the race to him because he fell in a pit and they placed him in front of me as I was driving by, and he turned his star power on and spun <laughs> me out. I was so pissed off. It took me <laughs> back like 20 years ago. I mean, I was, cur- I was cursing at the screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Luigi!
0: I-, I mean, come on! It wasn't even Mario, <laughs> it wasn't Yoshi, it was freaking Luigi.
1: Uh, see, Luigi would never do that to me, because I would always drive as Luigi. I
0: was riding as Koopa Troopa
1: oh the koopa troop
0: he's average at everything and i that i like that good acceleration okay turning okay speed uh rather than like uh well like depends on the course i guess bowser donkey kong used to you get their top speed up you can just freaking bump people out of the way
1: (laughs) run over everyone basically
0: so yeah you got me on a, a super nintendo kick
1: Oh well, or that's actually, why Mike did. I, I
0: downloaded it for the NHL. Uh, I'll be hitting up Super Punch Out after this podcast ends. That's one of my. Favorite, oh wow! That's one of my favorite games ever. I know Mike Tyson Punch Out gets a lot of love for uh, original Nintendo, but uh, Super Punch Out, I, I, I loved a lot actually.
1: <laughs> so. Hey, guess what? Next week we can talk about games.
0: Yeah, uh, preseason. Uh, being that it's the 19th, I think Pittsburgh uh, starts on the 21st. Uh, Phil Kessel will not be in that one. He'll be in the next game making his debut at home. So, um, and obviously the other teams around the league will be in action as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, consider this the preview for for our divisions, this little stretch that we did. And, um, yeah, that's about it, right?
1: I think so. Nicely done. Okay, cool.
0: All right.